I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gun and Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at gunnageeknetwork.com. And welcome to Play Comics, where once again we are here looking at a video game based on a comic property and how well that game represents the source material. Today, I am here with Insane Ian, who has to be insane because of the game that we're looking at. Because, yep, we're going to be going there. We're looking at North and South on the regular Nintendo. So, Ian, how are you today? Oh. I'm I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm slightly worried about how people are going to receive this episode because we are going to have to talk American Civil War just a little bit. It, honestly, talking American Civil War is kind of almost secondary to this entire thing. It's it's mostly just the setting. Yes, and it's going to get really weird really quick. Like Oh, right. oh right it's now. getting weird almost it. immediately. Let, let's do it. Uh, this is based on a comic, which I'm yeah. sure everybody so, can pick uh, up on because it's on this show. Obviously. So, yeah, so uh, Le Tunique Bleu, which is a uh, Franco-Belgian bon dessinée, or BD, which is what they call their comics, is a comic by Raoul Colvin, Louis Salveria and Willie Lambiolet. Pardon me if I butcher any of those pronunciations. It's been a long time since I've taken French in high school. But uh, they, it's a, it is a basically Belgian comic about the American Civil War following the Bluecoats, hence the Tunique Blue. And they, uh, you know, it's it follows the north side of the battle versus north versus south in the American Civil War. Very odd to me that a Belgian comic is doing a, a series about the American Civil War, but whatever. Uh, usually, it is following the adventures of uh, Chesterfield and Blutch. One of them is a sergeant, and one is a just an infra- infantryman. Uh, what their, their adventures in the comic it was originally collected in a magazine called I think uh, Dupuis and then uh, re-released in individual volumes where that collected all the stories into the, the one story for each book uh, there are they about since 1972 there have been 65 volumes so far and of those that got translated into English, 15. <laughs> the most recent one uh, was released in January of this year, 2022. <laughs> I can't imagine so, why at all they wouldn't be hurrying up to translate 
a book about the American Civil War into English. A book that I'm relatively certain is still going. All of my sources are saying that it is. Yeah. It's it like there's this weird obsession with like Belgian comics and and French comics have with American history. There's a huge Belgian comic which I'm sure you've talked about on the show before, Lucky Luke, which talks I actually about the American yet, Old West. To. So, anybody who wants you to do that, let's make it happen. Yeah, yeah, I I've been diving into that comic lately because of the game myself. And uh, yeah, that's another oddity. That's a comic that's been going on since the 60s. It's, you know, basically as old as as most Marvel characters and, you know, is still ongoing in Belgium and France today. And, uh, you know, they've had several games released for it and movies, uh, only maybe two or three making it to American shores. But anyway, enough about that. This is about the the Blue Coats. The name of the comic in America is the Blue Coats, but the game was originally released for the Amiga and the Atari ST in 1989, and then it received a port to uh, the NES, the Amstrad, the ZX Spectrum, and a couple of other systems. Uh, the NES port was released in 1990, and the other ports were released in 1991. What's weird is that the Amiga game is a 16-bit game, and then they ported it to the 8-bit NES a year later, the same year that Nintendo's 16-bit system, the SNES, came out. So there's a severe graphical downgrade from the Amiga version to the NES version. I can totally understand why they would want to put this on regular Nintendo rather than Super Nintendo, though. That early in the Super Nintendo's life, you would be saying, hey, this is a really good game. Let's put it out. Let's go everything. And regular Nintendo, yeah, it's out. You can make money on it. It's hidden because the Super Nintendo's already yeah, out. Yeah, but at the same time, I think because of the complexity of the control especially for a game that is, in essence, one of the very first real-time strategy games that they've released. You know, it was... It, it, having a couple more buttons would probably be beneficial for helping the play of the game. And, uh, you know, also, not just because of the downgrade in the graphics, you know, you're losing a lot of fidelity in, like, what the characters look like because you only have so many bits that you're working with. Uh, having a... a new real-time strategy game for a, a home console like the Super Nintendo probably would have benefited the game really well. Um, if we didn't say it, the game uh, it called was called North and South. The comic is called The Blue Coats, but the game was called North and South. I don't really know why they decided to switch that up. Oh, it gets even more confusing with the later releases. Oh. <laughs> so when you boot up the game, you have this uh, title screen that says North and South, and in the Amiga version, you have this very cool graphic of Chesterfield and Blutch 
uh, on the battlefield. Just you know, basically, it's a close-up of their faces, and it looks close to the comic book version. On the NES version, because the the graphic fidelity wasn't quite there for this, and it's like a it's a weird port, the the resemblance is not quite there anymore. It's just generic faces almost. And basically, the main thrust of the game is you have your troops, which are signified by basically just a little soldier guy. And even in the uh, Amiga version, there's not a whole lot of detail in the image of the guy. And you have a couple on your map, and you basically move your characters one state at a time, and then you it's and then it turns over to the other person's turn. Either you're playing against another opponent or you're playing against the computer. And then when you have two characters battle each other, when they hit the same part of the map, they have to fight. And then you're controlling troops. You're controlling uh, six infantrymen, a person on a cannon, or three horseback soldiers. And you're attempting to wipe out the other side's troops that look like this as well. If you want more characters, you move the... On your map screen, you move two soldiers together onto the same map that combines their forces. Basically, you're trying to get the your your infantrymen, your, your battalion, to wipe out the other opponent's battalion. And, you know, there's weird elements that go along with this. If you have your soldier on the map screen on a train track and your opponent has captured the forts that border this train track you can go into a side-scrolling section where you're moving your soldier through the train trying to get to the main front of the train to try to uh, let's see how can I put this basically steal the train because if you control the train, you can steal the, the gold off of it. If they control the forts where the train goes back and forth between, they get more gold and they can use that to... Actually, in the original Amiga version, I can't tell what they use the gold for. <laughs> it's really hard to tell. Like, I didn't play the Amiga or the NES version because I couldn't get my, my ROM of it to work. I, unfortunately, getting the actual game is very expensive now. Uh, so I wasn't able to get that. So I wasn't able to get my version of it working. But I did watch a, a, a video of it, and it doesn't tell you any instructions. I'm sure the instruction booklet did his best to try to tell you how to do it, but it's... Eh. Figuring out, like, what's going on with any moment is hugely difficult. There's also all these other elements that they have that try to influence the player, and you can turn them off in the options uh, in the opening screen, but basically you can have, uh, if you're down near Texas, you can be attacked by Mexicans. If you're up in the higher part of the map, you can be uh, attacked by uh, Native Americans. And there's also a storm that rolls through. And if it happens to land on a state where you have a troop, you cannot move that troop that that turn. 
there's also another side-scrolling section whenever you capture a fort. So if, like, they have control over the fort and, you know, so that the, the trains go between, you can actually move into that section and capture that fort, and that's another side-scrolling section where you're trying to get to the front where you're trying to get to the front and capture the flag at the beginning, basically. Getting all the way to the front of the fort to raise your flag over theirs. And you're basically running and jumping. Same thing as on the train. You're running and jumping, throwing knives at the soldiers that are attacking you or jumping over their attacks and avoiding them and running past them. Um, these weird little side-scrolling sections that, like, for... Uh, a real-time strategy game seems like a weird insert, but, you know, because it's a video game in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, sure, that seems like a thing. This whole game is just so weirdly laid out, and I've kind of decided on the fly that we're just going to kind of forget about the normal format and not try to go too much into <laughs> the comic history here, because there isn't a ton from the comic that they're taking outside of aesthetic things exactly that's that's the really biggest thing is the really biggest thing i speak goodly that's really the biggest thing is because the comic just serves as a, a shell as a a coloring for the the format of the game the game is basically just you're playing the american civil war in a real-time strategy setting you know it's like the 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 comic is window dressing at this point the really the only time that you see the characters from the comic is in the opening screen when you're choosing the difficulty of the level so if you're playing on easy it shows you blutch if you're playing on medium it shows you chesterfield and if you play on hard it shows you another person that's actually based on a real life person the person who I, I'm, I'm terrible at history, so I'm like not gonna even like pretend to know the right name. <laughs> but you can also choose to play as the South too, which is, you know, I'm sure there are people who choose to do that. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a Civil War real time strategy game that the Blue Coats is just kind of like, oh, we have this property, we'll make this be that property. And I'm not sure if this was somebody saying, hey, I want to make a real-time strategy game. Let's figure out what we can do with it. Or if it's, hey, we have this property, let's make a game to go with it. It really seemed like, like, like let's make a game from this property. And they just did the barest minimum because the comic is based on the American Civil War. The, the game came out in 89, the comic started in 72. And this is not the first time that they've done that with stuff that was never really released in America. I mean, we had uh, a Lucky Luke game that was here before the comic was ever out here. Uh, we've had several uh, Japanese manga games released in America, like the, the, the Golgol 13 game. The Golgol 13 games, which were released here, and, you know, we I don't think we ever had the, the comic or the manga here before that, so it wasn't unusual to have that happen, you know. We had, I think we had the, the game based on the, remember Muscle? Oh, yes, Muscle. Those little pink wrestler things 
Well, when they released them in America, it was called Muscle. When they were released in Japan years before it, it wasn't called that, and they made a video game of that. And when they finally made the game out here, they had to change the name and stuff like that, but I'm pretty sure the original version of it actually came out here before it had the muscle branding. And then we got Strongbat, but that's a whole nother topic. That's a whole different thing. Yeah. I wish I could find somebody who worked on the comic and be able to get a hold of them, but number one, I was too lazy to try because they're <laughs> over in Belgium. And number yes. two, I'd have to assume that they speak English because I don't speak good enough anything else to be able to get through an interview like that. Because yeah. I want to know what made I mean, somebody like, think that we needed a comic about the Civil War when you could have taken this entire thing and done it as some fictional war and had the exact same storylines going on. They do look at actual historical people and events, so that part's cool. Oh yeah, and they 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 talk about some real battles that happen. Like there's there's a book on the on the Battle of Bull Run. The first one that was released in America is about Robertsonville Prison, which is I think based on the Andersonville Prison. Um, so they changed the name on that one. But it, it, it's really mostly just... Like, the comic itself was just based on, like, America in general. The first five issues of the comic, which were drawn by uh, Louis uh, before he passed away. He passed away, and that's when Willie took over for the art. But the first five issues of the comic were set in the American Wild West. And it still followed Chesterfield and Blutch. But that was before they joined up with the army. <laughs> and those have not been translated into English. The comics that they've translated, like the first issue from Cinebook in America is actually the sixth issue of Bluecoats. So there was issues that came out before this that were set in the Wild West. And, you know, their battle with Native Americans and things like that. And then it moved on to them joining up with the the North side, but making the battle be, be the Civil War. So glad they were at least smart enough to put them on the North side for the main characters because, oh. Yeah, well, I think, I think because in hindsight, they're like, let's go with the side that won. I would love to see a comic from the side that didn't win. This is not the war that I would like to see it from. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. I mean, we do get to see characters in the comic that are, you know, soldiers on the south side, the gray coats. Uh, and it's, you know, it's they're they're all like laughable characters and whatnot. In fact, I think some of the character designs from the early comics become the character designs for the 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 infantrymen and whatnot that you battle in the actually in some of the later versions of the game. And also like when you're selecting difficulty level for that side in the early Amiga game and NES game, those character models are used for the difficulty levels for that side too. Character designs, character models, what have you. Whatever, it all depends on what medium you're looking at for that, anyway, on which one's right. 
Yeah, and it all depends on which version you're looking at, too. Because not only did this come out on the Amiga and then the NES and then a bunch of other systems later, but in 2012, they remade the game for uh, iOS and Android, and then later it was ported to Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. And when they remade it, they called it the Blue Coats North versus South. And 2012 is kind of a late release for the game because I think let me let me take a look here real quick. The remake came out in 2012. I missed it because in 2013 uh, the PlayStation 4 came out. <laughs> so I was playing my PS4 and I didn't actually see that the Blue Coats North versus South remake hit Xbox 360 until like 2019. I saw it in the Xbox Live store on 360. I'd hooked my 360 back up after years of not having it on because I was playing PlayStation 4 at that point. And I saw that this game came out in 2012, 2013, whatever it was. And I was like, hey, it's 10 bucks. I know this game. This is based on that NES game that was based on that Amiga game. I'll buy it. No less than six months later, into 2020, did the new remake of it come out. Here's the HD remaster. And they released it as the Blue Coats North and South. So first it was North and South, then Blue Coats North versus South, and then the Blue Coats North and South. So just smash all the titles together. And the really bizarre thing about the remakes is to make it more modern in the sections that were the side-scrolling sections, they actually moved them to being first-person shooters. Why does everything have to be a first-person shooter? I think in the 360 version, it's... Uh, I, I, it may not be a first-person shooter in the 360 version, but in the in the new HD remake, it absolutely is, and it's the clunkiest first-person shooter you're level play. So, are we talking like Super Nintendo level clunky? No, it's just like it. The, the HD version, the graphics are bumped up, so like you actually have like character models that slightly resemble the the style of the comic, just done in that weird little 3D mode that they do. So it's like, take the, the 2D images from the comic and make them 3D, and which is a, a weird look for that particular style of characterization. But uh, yeah, you're, you're running around in first person with a musket, shooting these guys who are invading your fort, or, or as you're trying to get on a train or whatever. I forget what the 360 version is. I, it, it may not be exactly a first, pe first person shooter, but it's something along those lines. I actually did own the NES game at one point. I think nice. I had it for a couple hours. <laughs> well, okay, so this is what happened. I was still going to the flea market at that point, and one person that I saw all the time had seen it, or like they had grabbed it at a yard sale earlier that day. 
and somebody just it was just a bunch of games that they had and so i went through and that was one of the ones that i decided to pick up from them and then later this other person that i was friends with that i would walk around the flea market with he really wanted this game and i decided it was more important for me to have multiple actual copies of games for this show rather than this one game <laughs> and i can't remember what i ended up trading him for it but i ended up i know i got to take home some ninja turtle game we haven't talked about yet here and a few other things which which i'm sure will be in the uh collection coming out on august 30th no i think it's too new for that oh because the that collection's all the um cartridge based ones right uh it is the nes ones the super nes ones the genesis ones and the arcade ones yeah this is definitely oh and the game boy ones yeah, this is definitely what I whatever it was I got from him. It was definitely too new for that because I know it was on a disc. So it was like either like the Wii game or the uh, the PS3. Or actually, I think there was one that was on uh, original Xbox and PS2 also. Yeah, I honestly can't remember. And those games are in the storage unit right now, so I can't even really go <laughs> check. I knew this was I knew North and South was a comic when I got it from the guy originally. I didn't know how not based on the comic it was at all yeah the the newer games try to make it look like the comic a little bit more than the original versions did and i think that's part of the way that like you know the new graphical fidelity allows them to the original game at least the amiga version tried more than the nes version did nes games are tiny yeah, and that's and that's the thing, you know, it's it didn't have a lot of memory in it. It didn't have a lot of bits to work with. So it it really it didn't really sell the fact that it was based on the comic and also the cover art on the game actually doesn't resemble the the comic. No, you don't you don't see Chesterfield or Blutch on the main cover art at all. One of the things though, I have to say speaking of that one of the things that I think is really hilarious about the brand new HD version that's out on PS4, Xbox One, and Switch is that when you win a level, like you're, you're, you go through like four different years of the Civil War and you're, you're doing different battles throughout those years. Basically, you're just trying to capture territory and uh, have more than the South does and then defeat all the, the South enemies that are on the screen. But in the uh, in the HD remake, when you win a particular year, on the victory screen, it shows your troops marching back. And because the main character models that they used are from the two characters you follow in the comic, Chesterfield and Blutch, you just see an army of just Chesterfield and Blutch. Just endless Chesterfields walking and endless Blutches on horseback. And it's just like, hey, all these soldiers are the same guy. We're playing the Clone Wars. Oh, somebody's got to have this thing reskinned then. <laughs> 
it's it's pretty ridiculous. But uh, at least they try to throw in like more imagery that resembles the comic in the newer versions, both in the one that came out in 2012 and this HD remake of that game. In the interest of trying to connect this to the comic, you do have battles in the comic and you do have battles in the game. They are very, very, very almost isometric-ish bird's eye view of the battles. Yeah. Uh, it's, It's very, very bird's eye view. Bird's eye view, I should say. Because the troops that you control in the basically one-on-one battle you've got your infantrymen your horseback troops and your cannon are very tiny so it's it's eagle eye view uh you're way up there (laughs) seeing the battlefield as you move like these six gunmen these three horses or this one cannon unless you've combined troops and then you have a few more but yeah, and it's it's switching between the three of them. I don't know how they did it on NES with only two buttons. But uh, switching on it on the modern console is at least a little easier. And thankfully, because it's a modern console, it actually gives you directions on on every screen on how to play and everything. <laughs> I was able to find the manual while we were talking, and... Much like you were thinking, there are good instructions here in the manual on how to do things. I would hope so, because it gives you nothing in the gameplay. There are no, there are barely any words on screen. Well, that just means there's less things for them to have to translate. Well, that's true. But one other thing I looked up was, I was curious, you know... Super Nintendo has a mouse. And I was thinking... that's true. When did Mario Paint come out? Because that's the earliest thing I can think of that had the mouse. And that didn't come out until 92. I loved Mario Paint. It came with... Mario Paint came with the mouse. I know, that's what made me think, hey, let's, you know, check out... We'll see when that came out, because I don't remember... That was 92. Yeah, and I don't ever remember seeing the mouse by itself in stores. I'm yeah, sure no, Mario happened. Paint came with the mouse. Which is and, why I chose uh, Mario yeah, Paint. No. <laughs> it, was, it was a couple years later, but you're, you know, you're moving the cursor around with the control, with the, the, the D-pad instead. And from some of the videos I was watching from people, they did say that it wasn't as awkward as they were thinking it would be with the NES, and some sure. of that has to be just I assume you select the through NES. the troops using the select button. Are you ready for this? Yes. The select button is not used. Holy! What? Then how do you change through the troops? Unless, unless you're you like hitting like A to select, or and B is your fire or attack button. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You got the button assignment backwards, but essentially, yeah. Wild. That is like two buttons, man. <laughs> like I, I mean, I grew up on the NES, so it's like two buttons are are. Sure, it's, that's whatever, you you worked with what you had, but like, when you get the option to have, hey, here's more buttons so you can do more things, you would think they would translate it to that. Because the Amiga, you know, the Amiga had a few more buttons, I think. It was a 16-bit system. Porting it to a, an older-gen version 
kind of seems backwards, especially when you have this new hardware coming out that could better utilize it. I'm with you, just not completely not using a button is weird. Yeah, especially like when you've got it there and you need to like move through different options, that especially selecting things that might helpful. That might that might be helpful. Normally, this is about the time I would ask you what this game gets right about the comic. <laughs> That's going to be an uh, interesting one to hear your answer for. It gets right in the setting. It is set during the American Civil War, the North versus South, the Blue Coats versus the Gray Coats, if you will. Uh, and the comic does touch on the certain like specific battles that took place at that time but overall it's more just generally about the civil war even though it uses chesterfield and blutch in the artwork for the games you don't really get the characterizations of these two characters so it 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 misses like the humor of the comic too they're just like they kind of give it this generalized, generic cartoonishness to the characterizations of, like, you know, when you get attacked, they go, you know, they kind of got jump and exclaim, at least in the newer versions. But, like, beyond that, eh, it kind of looks a little bit like the comic, but in 3D. Beyond, you know, it, other than that, it's not really very close. The only thing I can really add to that is the comic does try to hit historically accurate events and people. You're not really accurately doing these battles. <laughs> You're just kind of like generalizing like, okay, we're going to capture this part now. We're going to capture this part now. Oh, there was a guy standing there, so we have to fight this. Uh, whatever. But they do let you pick what year you start, and that tries to simulate the actual disparity between the North and the South and the armies that they had going on. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not wholly historically accurate in that, like, the battles didn't play out this way or it didn't capture these things in this order or what have you. But it's a real-time strategy game where you're playing soldier. Whoop-de-doo. It's about as historically accurate as this thing can be, because once you start taking control of the stuff, there's they can't control for that anyway. Exactly. Another interesting question, what does this one really get wrong about the comic? Literally everything else. The, the comic usually follows the adventures of Chesterfield and Blotch. And, you know, the, the wacky situations that they get themselves in. You know, Chesterfield is uh, a, a company man, basically. He's he's working his way up in the ranks. He's always trying to do something for the army, but he's very bullheaded. And, you know, he's always getting himself into, into trouble. Blutch is an infantry man who just does not want to be there. He is He's very lackadaisical. He doesn't really care. But if you do something that really, like gets in his, his craw, sticks in his craw, get, grinds his gears, if you will, then he's, like, going to be a very, very devout fighter. You know, he's, he's actually going to take action. And, you know, 
one listening to the other usually gets the pair into trouble and you know that's why they get captured and thrown into Robertsonville prison in the first book that's at least released in the US and you know they get captured by the south and put in the prison there and they keep trying to escape and there's all these wacky adventures that happen with them trying to escape eventually stealing the uniforms of uh, southern soldiers and escaping that way running to the north side and then being captured by the North because they're wearing the gray coats. So it's like, you know, normal, typical, cartoony, wacky adventures. You get none of that in the game because you're kind of doing more military strategy. I was kind of thinking from the opposite side of this, where, yeah, there's a ton of stuff that they could be doing and if honestly if you're gonna say your game is based on a comic you should be doing what they are doing isn't necessarily wrong it's just not there i don't disagree with the approach they took i just like you know if there are specific characters in the comic that aren't really represented in the game beyond this guy looks like that guy i'm pretty sure i already know your answer but if you knew somebody who wanted to get into this comic would you hand them this game as a bit of a primer course? Um, any version? Probably not. M- maybe the HD version. Like, I would, you know, say, hey, uh, if you like strategy games, this is an interesting version of it. It's based on an old game from the Amiga. Um, if you like the character design, those are actually based on comic characters, which is a lot deeper and richer. This is mostly just battles in the American Civil War. This is a comic that takes place at that time and occasionally touches on real events that happened, but it is more detailed in its story. There's not really a story per se in the game beyond Civil War. Trying to think if there's anybody I know of that if they told me that they wanted to get into this comic would not end up being a giant red flag. (laughs) and i mean just because i i think that everybody that i know who could who doesn't already know about this as a comic they have the means to find out and they would find out and everybody who wouldn't be able to find out for themselves i'm not willing to go there right now (laughs) And what's what's really interesting, to me at least, is the comics that are being released over here, and because they're being released so slowly, you know, the, the first issue in Cinebook was released here in 2008. So they're coming out very slowly, since they, since they only have 15 out here so far. And they're doing them in random order. Book one in America was actually book six. Book two was book seven, book three was book eight, and then they jump around. I think they go to 13 after that. They go to 18, they go back to 10 and 11. They're all over the map on releasing them here. And, you know, that's because each of these are kind of self-contained stories. They're not really, like, going in order of things that happened during the Civil War. They touch on events that were real events, but they're not doing them chronologically. So it it doesn't really matter because all the stories are kind of self-contained, like one-offs. 
So even if you like, you know, basically are looking for like a humorous comic done set in the Civil War, but like done by people from another country, <laughs> because that's why else would it be a humorous comic? Yeah, that's a thing. I think I'm just lucky in that the people I that I know of in my life either already know about this or they're horrible people anyway. <laughs> Not a fan of Civil War reenactors, huh? No, they do, they would just already know about it. Oh, of course. I mean, I do 1670s reenactment stuff, which doesn't have any kind of that implications with it that I'm aware of. Sure. I, I, I know what you mean by implications, and we'll leave it said that way. Plus, we are all um, being on the same side of everything. Exactly. So I'm really curious, though. I've started asking people this question since the last time you were on, so I don't know what you're going to say at all. Who's your favorite Muppet? <laughs> uh, I was expecting something that had to do with what we were talking about. No, you didn't ask me this last time. Uh, I'm not a huge Muppet fan. Uh, like, I, I, I like them and I respect them for what they did, but I, I don't go out of my way to watch the Muppets. Um, I did just finish watching this season of Holy Moly, and they were all over that. Um, and unfortunately, my favorite Muppet wasn't on uh, this season. Uh, I like Gonzo. He's a little weirdo, and I'm a little weirdo. So, in in a, in a smaller respect, Fozzie. And uh, when I watched Muppet Babies when I was a kid, it was Ralph, because he was the musical one. But uh, beyond that, uh, it, you know, fighting for position would probably be those three. I love how you say you're not really into Muppets, but then you have three different ones that it could be. Well, yeah, but also those answers are like super basic. <laughs> I mean, you didn't say Animal or Kermit. I mean, sure. Animal, Animal's probably maybe fourth on that list. But that's only because I can do an impression of him, and uh, I will not do that here. I, I, I was actually better at the impression of Baby Animal from Muppet Babies. Well, maybe I will be able to draw that out of you at some point. But we're not going to worry about it right now. That one, that one I'll do. I don't know. La, 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 la. Yes. But Ian, it has been. <laughs> I also have not done that in years. <laughs> and it has been great having you on for this i know we were talking it has been super fun being that on. we were worried about this was going to be a 10 minute episode um it's definitely not which i'm very happy <laughs> with well i think i think once you edit it down it might be a little shorter taking out all the gaps where i'm having to like pause because i'm hearing myself otherwise i sound like i'm delivering everything like i'm william shatner Ironically enough, I'm recording with somebody later today who needs to get started on the Star Trek podcast that he has been talking about doing for way too long. <laughs> I, I keep needing to start on the videos 
I want to do about these things that I've been talking about for so long. I'm staring at a copy of the Time Cop Super Nintendo game sitting in front of me. Me too with getting videos done. What is our problem? Uh, because it takes time, more time to edit and script those things. Oh, yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. And I'm lazy. And also, I'm working on like 8 billion projects. Well, if people wanted to find out about any of those 8 billion projects, maybe, or things that you already have done that you don't have to spend time on anymore, where else could they find that around the internet? Well, you can find my music. I do comedy music based on comic books, video games, and other pop culture things. That is all at insaneian.bandcamp.com. I also do videos where I talk about comedy music, as well as music videos of my comedy music, which you can find over at youtube.com slash insaneian. And uh, various and sundry other things on the web. If you don't like Bandcamp, you can listen to me on Spotify or Apple Music or various and sundry other places. And I've been on this podcast before talking about comic books and the video game versions of things such as the Shadow Man game and uh, various and sundry other places you can find me. I'm usually located at The Fump, which is the Funny Music Project. We post two songs a week for free under a Creative Commons license. We have over 150 different artists, maybe about 50 who post on the regular. I still post there occasionally, and all sorts of other fun things like that there. Well, I have a couple things that just came to mind here. Number one, I have a song title for anybody over there to take and use. The song title is called Pad Thai Farts. <laughs> Do what you will with I that. will suggest that to Devo Spice. Devo Spice is the guy who who basically runs the fump. He's uh, the, the boss of everything there. He's the, the webmaster who runs the website. And occasionally he will do a thing called Ridiculous Raps, where he asks for song titles and then writes a rap song based on that. And that seems like that would be a perfect title for that sort of experiment. Yes. The other thing that came to my mind is, I just have to know, did you ever get around to playing Final Fantasy VII? <laughs> for those who don't know, I have a song called I've Never Played Final Fantasy VII. Uh, I did finally play Final Fantasy VII Remake on PS5. I started it, I played it for about an hour and a half, maybe two hours. Uh, I dug it, but that was months ago and I have not been back to playing it. It's still a really good I still good have not though. played the original version. That makes the song still accurate. It makes the song still accurate, technically. And there's a music video for that one on my YouTube page. Page. YouTube page. There will be a link to that one directly in the show notes because that might be one of my favorite songs that you've done. Well, thank you. And as always, if you want to hear more from me, you can head on over to playcomics.com where there's links to all the social media stuff. Still most active on Twitter, despite the fact that I think it's going to implode on itself. And yeah, we'll just see what happens with that. But, you know, when that happens, there's links to all the social media stuff at playcomics.com, which is why you have your own website so you can control where people find you and the information they find about you. If you want to help support the show, you can be like the really cool patrons I have in Ono Class, Dan McMahon, and Carl Antonovitz, and give the show money, because the show does cost money to make. It's hosted and stuff, you know how it is. 
But if you can't or don't want to or whatever, I think that really covers everything. If you if I'm not going to get money from you for whatever reason, for whatever verb I think it is. Oh, no, look, glass help me out there. Then, you know, you can just take the show and shove it into somebody's ear hole with their consent, because if you do it without their consent, that is called assault. And we don't like that around here. On a completely different topic, if you want to hear some other wonderfully geeky shows, you can head on over to the Gonna Geek Network, where there's other wonderfully geeky shows. Imagine that. It is called the Gonna Geek Network. It just makes sense. You can hear things like Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., where I get to talk about Marvel stuff. Or you can listen to Capes on the Couch, where you get to talk about mental health stuff. Both of those shows are really cool. And I realize right now that they are the ones that I mention every time, but they're the ones that pop into my heart. So that's what happens. If you like the music that I'm rudely talking on top of, head on over to soundcloud.com slash best dash day to check out best day's music. Most of all, just grab a game, grab a stack of comics, and go find yourself a new favorite character. I'm skipping words because I keep hearing myself. <laughs> I actually think I figured out what that was. Oh, in, good. In theory, not confident enough to try to change anything right now. Well, that's fine. Uh, it we're we're too deep into it now.